when the small skunk comes in my what's going on <laughs> oh gotta cut this intro out what's going on everybody welcome to the parker chronicles podcast i am your host brett parker and joining me is my brother from the same mother adam parker what's up buddy are you are you ready to talk yeah. about a film we actually like i'm actually <laughs> uh, yeah i'm actually ready this is uh this was exciting watching this movie was a blast and i've seen this movie so many times pizza fish welcome welcome in my friend uh i love this movie so much um i mean listen before we get into it uh this movie does have issues um it is directed by the infamous michael bay so uh, there's Michael Bay tropes in this film. Uh, fun fact, uh, uh, we're going to just, before we get into what we think of, of this film, uh, this is Michael Bay. This was Michael Bay's first theatrical uh, film. Um, he, I believe before this, he was more a music video. He directed a lot of music videos. Um, and then, Finally, somebody said, yeah, let's let this guy make movies. And this this was it. This was uh, the the beginning of the Michael Bay experience, as we should say. Um, Michael Bay, though, in the 90s, man, Michael Bay 90s films, fucking amazing. All right. We had Bad Boys. We had The Rock. We had Armageddon. I think was probably early 2000s, but whatever. We're going to count it anyways. No, it's 98. Armageddon? Okay, so it's still it's in the 90s. 90s. Yeah, um, I'm, I feel like I'm missing one. A 90s Michael Bay movie. Well, yeah, the hitch. Oh, no, no, no. I can't. I, oh, hold on. Yeah. Oh, here uh, we go. So we had The Rock, Armageddon, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor, which was... It is what it is. It's not a great movie, but... There are parts of that movie that I'm like, damn, this guy knows how to really make really explosive set pieces. Okay, the fight scene in Pearl Harbor was great. Yeah, the 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 actual attack itself, like battle, yeah, um, was great. But yeah, Michael Bay, very well known for uh, music videos. Um, I mean, he did music videos for Lionel Richie, Meatloaf, uh, Tina Turner, Donny Osmond. Uh, Slayer, Sticks, Vanilla Ice. Uh, I mean, he he did a lot of music videos, um, but he is. Um, I, I feel like he's more well known now than he is he was back in the nineties. Um, there are probably people out there who didn't know Michael Bay directed this movie. Uh, and number two, um, he did not direct number three though. Bad Boys for Life was n a, Michael Bay had nothing to do with that. But we'll talk about that when we get to that movie. Um, but you know. I think for me, you know, the nineties, Michael Bay was what I enjoyed. I love those movies. I think up until probably transformers one, which is one of probably the only transformers movie where I'm like, this is, a, I feel like it's, it's a good movie. Um, it, you know, that, that got me excited for the transformer that, Oh man, we're going to get a transformers franchise. And then they just, and then he kept making them and I just, I stop. Um, but yeah, that is the the rundown of uh, of Michael Bay, and 
um, his history. Uh, he's 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 a whack job. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Man is a whack job. All right. Um, on to what we thought of this movie. You're going to start since it's only me and you. I mean, I, I love this movie. I mean, it's what I grew up on. And it's got two actors that I loved. I would say the most growing up for the most part. I'd say they were, I mean, Martin Lawrence in it back in the day was awesome he was funny and then you got will smith and will smith is will smith right so those two those two together two guys that i mean i used to watch just martin lord movies too so seeing them together was just like perfect for especially me as a kid i was like obviously it's got some uh got some parts of it where i chuckle now i mean back in the day i probably didn't catch on but now that i rewatch it still love it but right. there's some parts I'm like, it was a little ridiculous. Right. But no, nah, it's still a hit. I still love it. Yeah, I this like I said before, this is a this is a '90s action movie. Um, uh, but it brought you know, I think uh, it was it was trying to follow in the steps of like Beverly Hills Cop, um, and Lethal Weapon. It's kind of like a a like they molded those two together and that's what bad boys is. And Martin Lawrence and Will Smith's chemistry is so good. It's like these guys have known each other for their entire lives. It's, it's so good. Like the way they go back at each back and forth at each other. Fantastic. I love, um, the chemistry, like the side characters. Uh, I love, I love the captain. Captain Howard is uh, Joe Pantoliano is fantastic uh, as Captain Howard, and I'm so happy that he sticks around for the f- whole trilogy. Um, but yeah, I mean, this movie ultimately put Will Smith on the map. Other, I mean, Fresh Prince put Will Smith on the map, but this showed that Will Smith could be a movie star. Um, I mean, after after Bad Boys, he would go on to do Independence Day in '96. Men in Black in 97. Enemy of the State in 98. Wild Wild West in 99, which is is not a good movie, but people, a lot of people saw that movie. Uh, The Legend of Bagger Vance, Ali. I mean, this dude was pumping out, uh, was pumping out movies every single year and making, helping make buttloads of money for these studios and putting certain directors on the map and, like we said before, Bad Boys was the first theatrical film for Michael Bay, um, and then Bay would go on to do all the craziness that he's done in his career. Um, Martin Lawrence is hilarious. Uh, it's you know Will Smith, I think, is funny, and I'd, I, but I don't know if I'd put him as a comedian. Um, he's a funny dude, though. Uh, Martin Lawrence is a comedian, and so the the kind of the they both have like their own personalities and they both fit so well together. I love it. I just love these two together. And the, the story is bonkers. The, the, the action is, is ridiculous. The camera work is, it is what it is. And, um, and then, you know, for instance, I mean, I think like, you know, as a, as a kid and a teenager, you know, you see some of the, some of the things in some of these movies and it's, you know, it's it's awesome as a 
oh, you know, as a 29 year old man, I watch some of the things and I'm like, eh, all right, well, this is a Michael Bay movie. And it's, you know, it's not okay, but you, you, you're looking at it as like, yep, this is Michael Bay. This is what, you know, he's infamous for. But my love for this movie is Will Smith and, and Martin Lawrence's chemistry together. Um, the, the, the act, you know, Michael Bay knows how to do action, even if sometimes it's really ridiculous, but this is a movie from the nineties. So it, it wasn't as bombastic as it would get in transformers and, and everything else that he's done. Um, I love this movie. Um, I think I always love this movie. Um, especially bad boys one and bad boys two. I love these movies, but we're talking about bad boys today. <sighs> I could literally just talk about how much I love this movie. Yeah, this um, th- this was uh, a movie that me and Adam watched way too young. Um, funny story, you know, we um, our parents got divorced uh, when we were very young. <laughs> Adam, very young, like doesn't remember. Um, and we so we used to have to go see, you know, we would live with our mom and we would go visit our dad and our dad lived, uh, you know, he had a, a place he was staying and we would go there and he had two VHS tapes that we would literally watch every time we would, we would go over his house and it was broken arrow that had John Travolta and and Christian Slater, which is a ridiculous nineties action movie, but it's just so much fun to watch. Uh, cause that John Travolta in the nineties, amazing. Um, and bad boys. Were we way too young to watch bad boys? Yes, but and Broken Arrow probably. But yeah, I think Bad Boys was a little worse, um, with some of the, like the suggestive stuff, um, not really the violence, uh, but I it I love it. I love that I have that piece of my of like something I can always kind of think back on as fond fond memories of my childhood. Um, is is just hanging out. He would we would order pizza and wings and we just hang out in the where he was living and watch bad boys. Oh, I've seen this movie so many times. And to be honest, when I watched it on when I watched it a couple days ago, it, it I had that same feeling. I just I enjoyed it. And I know a lot of people don't like these don't like the bad boys movies because they're not great movies, but they're enjoyable movies. Like when I when we were watching when we were going through the six weeks of hell that was Resident Evil. Those are not enjoyable movies and they're bad. So it's a whole shit can of just shit. (laughs) I literally got excited when the movie starts because like when literally at the beginning of the movie when it's like dun 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 dun, 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 Oh the freaking theme music for this movie. And uh, I mean we'll talk about it when we talk about Bad Boys 2 and Bad Boys for Life, but the theme you hear the theme music for this movie and it just, it got me so pumped up and, uh, and then what a great opening scene between Martin Lawrence and uh, Will Smith, um, which we'll get to in uh, the plot breakdown. Ah, man. So good. So good. Like I said, I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people probably, there is a lot of people out there who doesn't, who don't like the bad boys movies and that's okay. Um, but we okay, love I, <laughs> we love so, these movies. 
So the way I put Bad Boys is I don't put Bad Boys as one of my favorite movies for like a story. They don't. I put it as one of my favorite movies for like something I can sit down and I truly enjoy it for what it is. And like, it, it just like, I enjoy it no matter how much I watch it, but mm-hmm. I know it's not like a theatrical masterpiece. Like I, there's right. a lot of other movies out there that I would put above it for like total, you know, overall movie. But this is definitely my favorite series for like, a movie I can sit down, have a good laugh, enjoy it, you know, and it has that perfect mixture of action and comedy where like, right. it, it's just something you can talk about with your friends too. It's like it's, you can literally quote so many funny things from this. Oh, from and that's, these movies. and that's All literally been our life. So, so how many yeah. times do we just got to randomly think of some funny yeah. thing that happened in bad boys one and two and quote it. Cause it's so many quotable things in these movies. Oh, man. So, Bad Boys was released on April 7th, 1995. So, two months before uh, Adam was even on this earth. He was still just hanging out in the womb. He was hanging out in the womb, all right? (laughs) I wasn't floating in space. And I was a wee wee little boy. We didn't watch this until probably, probably early 2000s when he was... Probably still probably not like, of a, still not an acceptable age to watch this movie. <laughs> I was like eight or nine the first time I watched it. I feel like you were younger than that, but well, you know, we don't need to go into that. Uh, it was budgeted at nineteen million dollars, which I don't know what that is in today dollars, but that's still, uh, it's not a lot. Uh, for, but you know, as a for a first time director, um, you know. It it you know I feel like the studio wasn't going to hop in and give him a crap ton of money and these ty- and the these type of movies don't really I feel like don't need a crazy huge budget but then if you look <laughs> at the budgets he gets later when he does the Transformers franchise uh yeah it's insane it, insane sorry I can't English is hard for me even though I've been speaking it my entire life uh opening weekend almost hit its budget at fifteen million dollars oh as just. A- um, not that I want to do the math, but one million dollars in nineteen ninety five is worth one point almost one point eight. Now. Wow. Okay. So, almost. So, it would have been much double. It would almost double. But it almost made its budget in the opening weekend, uh, April 9th, nineteen ninety five. Uh, it made fifteen million fifteen point five million dollars. Uh, it grossed. $141 million at the box office in 1995, um, which is insane for a, a movie like this. Um, but even though Will Smith was still, you know, Will Smith being on Fresh Prince definitely helped out. Martin Lawrence was a famous comedian. Um, he was, I think he had his own show at the time as well. I think there was Fresh Prince and then there was Martin uh, so, you know, it, they weren't super well known, but they were well known enough where people were going to go buy, uh, tickets, go see this movie. And, um, it, 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 I mean, it made a lot of money. And so that's why Michael Bay said, let's do another one eight years later. Oh God. All right. Let's get into some trivia here before we get into this. Uh, 
Oh, man. So the original leads were actually going to be Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes, but they both declined. Um, I think that still would have been a pretty fun... I think that still would have been a funny movie. I think it would have been more... I I think it would still be funny, but I think it would it would definitely be more comedy than serious. Like, right. I feel like right. this duo's like Will Smith keeps that serious side, or they both kind of keep that serious side while doing comedy. Or mm. I think those two, like Wesley Snipes, it's hard to. All I think of is Blade with him, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I love Wesley Snipes. Um. So the final scene of the movie, which is at the air, uh, the, the airstrip there, uh, Michael Bay went to the studio and he talked about like, you know, he had the, the board out with everything he was going to do uh, for that final scene. Um, and pretty much, uh, you know what it was going to entail. And the studio is like, nah, we are not giving you money for that. So in order to shoot the scene, Michael Bay paid the studio $25,000 to shoot the scene. And that's why we get all those pretty explosions. And that's the, uh, that, that scene at the end of bad boys where the, the hanger blows up. That's the start, baby. That is the start of the, the Michael Bay explosion. Extravagant. I don't even know what to the Renaissance, I guess, because Michael Bay, if you do not know, is known for being, Kind of a scumbag and uh, explosions in his movies. So, yeah. He likes his explosions. He really gets is off he on a, him. Is he an explosive scumbag? Uh, a lot of people probably say yes. Uh, let's see. Um, so the fi- the opening scene was actually shot at the end of the movie. So when they finished movie, they uh, finished the movie. They did principal photography and they actually shot the scene um, where they're getting carjacked by the two guys. Um, that was after they had done the f- like. So pr- so what they do is they shoot the film. Uh, they do principal photography and then usually they send the film to get edited and then you know it gets reviewed and then it gets sent to the MPAA for uh rating and all that which of course this was going to get a rated r um and then of course it gets you know a screen for people and then it gets put into theaters they shot that scene after principal photography michael bay was just like yeah i think we're gonna add the scene to it scene didn't need any didn't need to be in the movie but i think it was a great introduction to these two characters and what their relationship was like like it's literally two guys, you know, uh, you, you've already get the, the feeling like Will Smith or Mike Lowry is, you know, he's well off. He's a very stylish guy. He gets the ladies, you know, and he's driving a nice car. And Martin Lawrence is he's me. He's the dad. He's the dad who's he's like, dude, I'm hungry. I don't give a shit. And are you really driving a car without cup holders like they're they're getting into a thing and then if you know it and then everything that happens after that it's a great scene it's a great way to open the movie it does nothing for the plot but it's such a great introduction to these two characters um and and who they are and then you get the title card and the awesome theme which i love god that scene is so funny right 
I check the post message. This is a limited edition. Yeah, no kidding, it's limited. We ain't got no cup holders. <laughs> oh man. Just a lot of Michael Bay. Um just unnecessary the thing about michael bay if you've ever followed him in his career is he is not very well known to be nice to the actors he works with um especially women um which i couldn't i it's shitty to be like that like treat everybody good okay these people work for you all right like just don't be a sleazebag please um so the scene when Michael Bay or when Will is chasing the uh, Fouché and his goons, um, Michael Bay literally was like, yeah, I want you shirtless, Will Smith. It's critical that you are shirtless in this scene. Now, it's a guy. So I guess people will be like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. It's not a woman. Like, why, <laughs> Michael Bay? Philly, welcome. I just don't understand. Um, my, uh, so during a, so there's a lot of things about like the commentary of the movie. Uh, Martin Lawrence had complained to Michael Bay that Will Smith had called him a bitch during the scene where he's talking about driving Miss Daisy when he's driving. He's like, man, you drive like a, like you drive slow. You drive like a bitch. And Martin Lawrence didn't like it. So he complained to Michael Bay and he pretty much just used it as like a direction. He's just like, okay, you don't like it. So respond to him calling you a bitch. Like you really would respond. Like if you don't like it, respond to him in a genuine way. Like don't, don't act like, like you're pissed off. He called you a bitch. So respond to it in the way like you're feeling like, don't. What I don't get is you're acting. I know. Yeah. Here's you're really good. Yeah. At Here's the thing about I, a trivia, IMDb, or wherever people put, tr you know, things that might have happened. Who knows if this actually happened? Who knows if this was true? This is, you know, some people kind of think if it did, that's a little ridiculous. Like, if you're going to become an actor, you know that. Like, right. And that's not even something serious. Like, it's not like he called him, you know, some pro, like, he called him a bitch. Like, yeah. It's the first uh, time of uh, three films. Actually, I think they even used the shot in the third Bad Boys, even though it wasn't Michael Bay, of the plane flying over the Miami sign. Oh, yeah. And I think they actually used that same... I'd have to, I'd have to rethink, because I haven't played the game in a long time, but I believe in Vice City, there's that same shot as kind of like an homage to uh, Bad Boys, because... Vice City is my is just a, a a fictional version of Miami, which it's a cool shot, and I love it. It's just like you know what, just keep going with it. You know, people will be like, oh, oh my god, he did that again. <laughs> uh, so the original title for this movie was called Bulletproof Hearts, and it was originally supposed to star Dana Carvey and John Lovitz. If you don't know who Dana Carvey is, uh, he was in Wayne's World. He played Garth. And he was on Saturday Night Live for many years. And so was John. I believe John Lovitz was too. That movie, wow, would have been bad. I could already imagine it. 
uh, not a lot of movies starring those two that are like that title sits. Cool. Yeah, just not very good. Um, yeah, I'm glad we didn't get that. The Porsche that uh, will or sorry, Mike drives um, was actually loaned to the production um, because of Michael Bay's uh, past directing music videos. Um, a lot of places, you know, it was more like an advertisement for vehicles. A lot of a lot of action movies and stuff where there was like fancy looking cars. Even uh, later, I know like so, tr- so Porsche is gonna let them advertise their car and tell people they don't even have freaking coupled. It was probably. I mean, they don't really show. They don't like show, like show down like at the the area where the cup holder could be. I don't know. Maybe that car that just didn't. Maybe it just, just was a car designed Martin. right. Who knows? Literally just him. My, it's literally Marcus just bashing the car. Yeah. But I know like a lot of um, car companies, especially high-end cars like Ferrari and Porsche and Oh, I Chevy. have trivia for you. All right. Well, tell me when I'm done before I lose this train of thought. So they did. He They also did this in when they did Transformers because when the newer Camaro wasn't actually released yet. It was like the first, it was a concept car and it was kind of an, it was, it was an advertisement for the car. Like, Hey, this is what the new Camaro is going to look like. And that's what drives sales. Okay, go ahead. All right. Um, I don't know how it was worded. Someone told me this, but uh, what is one of the only car companies that uses their name in every film they're viewed in? and actually have a contract that they can not be viewed in a movie without their name. Like a company like Ford or Chevy? It's a, it's, it's a company that makes vehicles. Um, their, their name is technically not a car brand. They're, they're just a company. But they, they are... The vehicles they make or they customize are in tons of movies, but they always have their logo on the car. And they are local. They're local? To us? Yes. Or like the United States? Not to us. Is it that like armored car Lenko. company? Lenko. Yeah, okay. I didn't remember the name, but I remember I, I've had this conversation with you. They make a lot of the armored cars in movies, right? Yeah, I mean they make like armored cars SWAT in, and stuff in like general. that. General, yeah. well, yeah, but they, but like uh, when you see yeah. an armored car in a movie, that's yeah, who I, I was. Um, that's pretty. Fun. That's pretty cool. I was actually told by one of the family members that they have a contract. Well, they have a contract with movie production companies that they will not present their car in movies without their logo. So I don't know what the basis is behind that but it's actually one of the very few companies that shows their logo in every single movie obviously there's other movies where cars show their stuff but that's cool very cool uh the corvette or the shelby cobra uh that was driven it was like the that the guy fouché was selling to his blue the one that fouché crashes uh, it actually crashed, and the stunt where the the Cobra gets 
like it he drives it out of the back of the aircraft. Um, it actually when it went off, it swerved and it crashed and a pretty substantial damage to the car. Um, so anytime they did any shots on the car, they had to do it close up, um, and then they had to frame it so it show didn't show any of the damage. So like when he's behind the wheel driving, it was always close up shots. Um, of of course, most of the guys weren't actually driving the car anyways. Like the the guy, the actor who plays uh, Fouché, is it Fouché? I never could get this man's freaking name right for the in the fifteen plus years that I've watched this movie. Never like the amount I was like Fouché, Fouché. I don't know. It's Fouché. Um, the I believe so. This is a pretty funny fact. Uh, Vic Manny, who I think was the bigger henchman of Fouché, the one who always gets in the argument argument with like the smaller guy with the yeah. mustache. Um. He plays one of Fouché's bodyguards in the first movie. Uh, he was the actual bodyguard of one of the producers, Don Simpson, um, and he was hired because Don Simpson was threatened by the, the mafia and is uh, pretty much how he got the guy, Vic Manny got into acting was because of that whole situation. I think that's who it is. I think Vic Manny is the bigger, the guy who's like, who gets electrocuted so got, at the end. He got threatened? So Don Simpson, I guess, got threatened by the mafia. Uh, don't know why. It doesn't really explain it. I probably owed a loan shark or something. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, a funny, funny thing. In an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, um, Nikki, who is the youngest Banks child, um, tells Will that his parents will not let him watch Bad Boys. And Will replies, what you gonna do? <laughs> uh, Ex-basketball player John Saley, uh, he makes a cameo in the film and he would it will be also in Bad Boys 2. He's the uh, Fletcher, the computer hacker, the one with the really thick glasses. And Lawrence Fishburne was actually offered the role of Mike Lowry but turned it down. That would have been interesting. I like I like Lawrence Fishburne, but this is a perfect casting for me. Love these two guys together. So yeah, lazy eye Lawrence. Oh man, Marissa Tomei was offered the role of was actually uh, considered for the role of Julie, which would have also been great. I think you could have put any. 90s like big actress in in that role and i think it would have been fine marissa tomei at the time was had just won an oscar for my cousin Vinny, either the year before or that year it was early 90s um and of course she plays if if for all of you younger uh younger audience members uh marissa tomei plays aunt may in the newer spider-man movies Everybody's like, what is he talking about? Listen, I, I was born in 2005. Like, oh, geez. <laughs> I literally watched a movie with her today, which is odd. What movie? The King of Staten Island. Yes. I need to see that. I watched a clip. I was watching. Was, I was watching was TikTok so videos. Funny. I was watching. I, you know, <laughs> I was watching. I was watching it with dad. And dad goes, who is this guy? And I go, he's Pete Davidson. He's hilarious. And, and 
my dad's like, he's at first he goes, you know, he's weird. Then he goes, he's freaking hilarious. Yeah, he's funny. He's funny. I I, I I need to watch that movie. What what is is it on HBO? I was watching it on HBO, yeah, but I was I was at his house. Yeah, so I don't I'll know if it's to, on HBO Max, but I'll have to look it up. But yeah, I need to watch that movie. Um, I believe it is the shortest of the Bad Boy movies. I think it is. This Bad Boys less than an hour, or yeah, two hours. Yeah, this was like an hour and fifty eight minutes. Uh, Bad Boys Two was almost two. I think over two and a half hours. It was long. Boy, I mean, I'm excited to watch Bad Boys 2 again because Bad Boys 2 is just another nostalgic. I fucking love this movie, even though it's stupid. But two and a half hours. Wow. Maybe I just enjoy it so much. I just don't pay attention. Uh, Michael Bay mentioned in the commentary uh, to the original release of the movie that uh, the budget was $17 million at the time. But he was, but he only had nine million dollars to make the movie. So what the hell happened to the rest of the money? Some shady shit going on in Hollywood. Always has been. There's a lot. There's a lot here. If you guys want any more trivia? IMDb's got a lot of trivia for this movie. Um, a lot of just behind the scenes stuff. Uh. A lot of just Michael Bay is a psychopath. Uh, stuff like that, you know? So, let's get into this plot. It, it, this is funny because I, like, I, like I've stated, uh, I've seen this movie a lot. Um, and I almost didn't, like, I was like, maybe I can just watch this movie and not type anything out for the plot. Uh, but, but no, I, I needed to do the plot, but there were points in time where I was like 20 minutes into like 20 minutes between writing notes. And I was like, shit, I probably should put out, like write down what the fuck is going on. Just so I remember the order of things. I know what happens in this movie, but sometimes I forget the order of things. So I got my notes. I needed them, but I was just so, I didn't want to keep my, I wanted to keep my eyes on the screen, the TV. Keep watching the movie and not look at my phone as I'm typing out the dumbest notes ever. Man, I should post what my notes look like when I type them into my phone because they are. It's sometimes it's like my uh, my five year old is writing notes because it's just stupid. But I understand it. So we get the awesome bad boys theme, um, which is one of my favorite themes ever. Uh. And it just makes it, it just brings you back to the 90s. This is a 90s theme to an action movie, and I love it so good. Uh, and we meet the two main characters of this film. Mike Lowry, played by Will Smith, and Marcus Burnett, played by Martin Lawrence. They are driving in Mike's very nice Porsche 911. Uh, and Marcus is just going to town on a burger and some fries and talking about how he's not getting any from his wife at home because he's married and he's got a lot of kids. And once you're married and have a lot of kids, according to Marcus Burnett, you don't get none. Uh, 
<clears throat> and uh, yeah, they have an argument about how there's no cup holder in this car. <laughs> He's trying to put his soda down. And there's no cup holder. Oh, you great. Eighty thousand dollars, and you don't got a car. Or you got some cup holders. It was one hundred and twenty, and it's limited. It's limited edition. So of course, it's limited. Yeah. Ain't got no cup holders. Uh, Marcus accidentally drops some French fries, gets between the seats, and Mike is pissed. He's telling him, "You better fit. You're gonna be fishing him out." He's like, "I can't fish him out." He's like, "I got my fingers. Like, I can't get down in the little tight space." <laughs> it's just great back and forth between these two guys. Um, they stop. I don't know if they stop at a red light or if he like pulls over. Oh no, he pulls over to the side because he's got to yell at at Marcus for making the mess. Uh, and there's these two goons that were following him or following them and they release like they, they must've, I don't know if this girl worked for him or if they hired her, who cares? They pretty much use her as a distraction. She's wearing a very skimpy outfit. She walks in front of the car and Mike is a womanizer. So of course he gets distracted, um, by the attractive woman walking across the street. And that's when the two goons, uh, pull up to the side and threaten them pretty much carjacking them even the, and then they just and still don't give a shit that they're cops i'm trying to find who played these two guys one of them i recognized from oh man this is gonna drive me nuts i don't know i don't want to look through this cast right now a lot of people and they're going to be really far down because that's yeah, the only. Because they were like literally in the beginning of this. And I don't even know if they even had names. I mean, they probably had names. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I have no idea. They were two guys. I recognized. I, I recognized the the both of them actually. One of them was. Uh, he's been in some other movies. I think he was in. Breaking Bad. Nah, that could have been a different character. I don't know. We're not going to get too far into that. So yeah, so they get jumped. Um, they get out of the car. Uh, and the the thing that Mike and Marcus tend to do a lot is they fight a lot. But it's always one of those things where are they fighting for real or are they fighting just to get themselves out of the situation they're in? And to be honest, who cares? It's freaking awesome. They're both arguing about how they always get into these situations and the two guys that are holding them up are like getting pissed because they're not really complying. And that's when Marcus and Mike turn on them and just drop them both. Uh, and Mike says a cool line to the, the carjacker. And then we get the title card with the theme music and the awesome nineties action movie music playing as the credits are rolling over the beautiful night uh, cityscape of Miami. Um, then as all that is going on, we go down to a truck where we meet the villain of this movie, Boucher. I don't know if he had a first name, but that's his name. Did you say Boucher? Is it? No, no, it's not. Okay. So I didn't know what his name was. And so the note, uh, when I was in the scene, it was Boucher. So in my notes, it says Boucher and his gang are up to stuff. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, nope, it's, it's Fouché. Uh, oh, it's Michael Tagliafaro is the carjacker. Michael Tagliafaro. 
no, Talia, Talia Fox. It's is the big, the bigger guy. No, he's not even there. He's not even on this list, is he? And uh, Lisa Boyle is the girl decoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw that because it literally says it looks like car, like girl walking by car or something <laughs> like that, like. But yeah, so uh, so we meet Fouché and his gang. They're in the back of a of a truck. They're getting ready to rob someplace. You don't really know what uh, at this very moment, but they have a guy he's dressed like a cop, um, and he pretty much is like, "Yeah, so you know, I'm the decoy. What am I gonna do?" And Fouché's like. You're going to do this. And he shoots the decoy cop out of the back of the truck because what the whole point of it was, was the police were actually, they were actually going to rob uh, the police station. Uh, So by killing this guy dressed as a cop, all the cops are going to go to the scene, leaving the police station pretty much empty except for the the guard. Uh, And so... Yeah, so they're going to rob the police station. They got this whole elaborate plan. They're going through the air ducts. They got this really cool cart they got set up. Um, and you find out that they're stealing a lot of drugs. Um, some some heroin. That was a, a big bust. Uh, they, uh, they knock out the security guard. They steal all the drugs. Uh, they've messed with the camera. So they, like people, the the, the camera, Security guard can't see what's going on. Um, it was a really pretty. It was a really cool way of of doing the whole thing. Um, and then uh, it's over. Then the uh, the driver uh, Eddie uh, steals one of the blocks of heroin, um, which won't bode well for him later. And then we cut to the Burnett home as Marcus and his wife Teresa wake up. Marcus is trying, and he's continuing his quest to get some from his wife, um, but still no go because he's got kids that are awake, and it's just never, never a good thing. Uh, Mike shows up, and you know Mike is Mike is telling Marcus's kids, starting to tar- tell Marcus and Teresa's kids like inappropriate things, and. Teresa's not about that. Teresa's awesome. Teresa Randall, who plays Teresa, uh, she is so funny, so good, and I'm so happy she is in all three of these movies. I love her. She's great. Uh, Mike gets a call from uh, Captain Howard uh, that they need to get in. You don't hear his voice. You just kind of hear like a rumbling on the phone, and he's screaming, and then we get them both casually walking into the police station as shit is going down. Uh, Captain Howard is pissed, and God, I love Joe Pantoliano. He is awesome. Um, who stole the dope? I guess this was a big bust that Mike and Marcus had done in the past, uh, and it's gone. So yeah, he says, like it was worth like a hundred and something million dollars, right? And uh, we also meet um, probably my least favorite character of this movie because she just seems so over the top and I love March Ellenberger because uh, I was a huge CSI fan back in the day and that's where I feel she's most famous is from CSI but uh, she, she plays Allison Sinclair 
oh god she's just so like over the t- it's oh like she's after she's been after howard for so long and this is the way that she's gonna get howard fired like you're a piece of shit i hate you sinclair you suck it's my least favorite character of this movie she just seems she's just so over the top too crazy and but thank god she's really not in this movie much so howard tasks mike and marcus that they need to get the dope back and they need to get it quick because if they don't get it in time the, the station is going to get shut down don't know how that works but that's what's going to happen uh so they go visit their friend jojo played by michael imperioli who is another fantastic actor if you don't know michael imperioli watch the sopranos because he is a main cast member in that, and he's been in a bunch of other movies. He's fantastic. Uh, but he plays JoJo, the uh, former hacker slash tire repair guy. <laughs> and I love him. The The, the two uh, scenes where uh, Mike and Marcus are interacting with JoJo, amazing. This one, uh, the second one is better than the first, but it's just so good. Uh, pretty much he needs information out of him. He needs to know you know if he had heard anything if he knew anything about what had happened um and then mike says well we're gonna go visit my friend max and she's at the gym and we get the cool we you know they walk into the gym uh ask where uh mike asks some girl i don't even know she had a name uh where max is he goes to see max and as he's talking to max uh and and planning something with her marcus is doing some weird fight or gym montage in the back. He's too, he's messing around with a bunch of gym equipment. He's trying to bench, can't bench. He's freaking struggling. Oh man, it's funny, funny stuff. Uh, so uh, Mike and Max, uh, they plan uh, pretty much. He needs Max. So Max is a call girl. She's a prostitute, uh, and she needs to. He wants her to go um, have the madam. Um, try to find like newly rich people, which is such a weird thing. Can you find me the newest rich people of Miami? <laughs> like not the old ones, the ones who have been rich for a while. I need the ones that have just like a couple days. They've been rich for a couple days. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so they send uh. They send him to some guy's house. I don't remember what, what was this guy the the guy they find in the house. What was he? He was the um, what the hell was uh, oh my god I don't remember. Neither do I. He Why was a lo- he was a loose end for uh, Fouché. Um, I don't know if he was like a bookie or if he was like, he was something to do with financial stuff. Um, and all I know is one of my favorite lines is from this. (laughs) So, yeah, so they send, so Max or, uh, they, they're going to this house of somebody that Jojo had told, uh, Mike and Marcus, um, as they get there and, uh, the, the scene where they're at the door and they're just like, oh, it's locked. Oh no! Oh, well, that door opened really easy. It's like, oh. oh, I tripped. Yeah, again, and I will say many times, the chemistry between Will Smith and Mark Martin Lawrence in this movie is so good. Hello, it's your neighbors. 
I just want to borrow. <laughs> what is that? I just we want to. Just... Just... No. <laughs> just we were be... just wondering if we could borrow some brown sugar. sugar. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and uh, they end up finding the guy, but he's dead. Very dead. And he probably stinks because Marcus is not having a good time. Uh, he is gagging a lot. And to be honest, I this, this is a scene that always bothers me because I hate when people like being around somebody who's like gagging it like it it like makes my stomach hurt and this is this is the worst because he's like he's like oh 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 god uh and like mike is trying to find he do you know he gags in every single bad boys movie does oh oh yeah i i have to when i watch see i've only seen bad boys for life like one and a half times yeah it's i think it's i think it's like a one of those scenes that they just you know, yeah. was fun. So, so they... yeah, so we get to Bad Boys uh, for Life. I'll have to l- look hard and see what when that scene happens. Um. So yeah, so Mike is is looking around the body and trying to find stuff, and he's doing things like, <laughs> and Mark and Marcus is always there, like like a bla- like the dead guy's arm like swings out and hits him or something. It's it's a great scene. Uh, between the two and oh actually Marcus ends up throwing up at the end which even makes it better uh so Max uh talks to the madam I think her name was was it Lydia what was the madam's yeah name? yeah I it was like I think it was Lydia I got my cast I got my cast listing right here Lois sorry it was Lois um she asked Lois if there's any newly rich people in the city, um, and that's where she wants to go. That's where she wants to go party. So they find a guy who, um, his name is Eddie Dominguez. Uh, he is a newly, he, he, he wants to party. And so they're like, we're in. Oh, but, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be hanging out with my friend. And she's like, I'll bring her. It's fine. So we then see uh, Max and her friend, who is Julie, who is one of who will who will get to know very well in this movie. Uh, they go to this really fancy uh, house um, and they hang out, and it has to be said many times in the scene. Uh, it is the Al Capone suite. You're right back. Uh, so yeah, so they do the Al Capone. Uh, so they pretty much hanging out with Eddie. Eddie is cracked out because he has been abusing the uh, block of heroin uh, that he stole from Fouché. And uh, Fouché ends up showing up. Julie has to go to the bathroom, so she's not in the, in the room. Fouché shows up, and man, he is pissed because he finds out that Eddie had stole some of the drugs. He then... Uh, talks to Max, telling her how beautiful she is, if she would model for him. And unfortunately, it doesn't end well for Max, because as she's modeling for Fouché, she turns around, and that's when he grabs a pillow and shoots her in the back, killing her instantly, I guess, with a very dramatic uh, death. Um, Also, the actress who played Max, not the greatest actress, uh, don't know if she was uh, if she had done a lot of acting in the in the past, but uh, not her line delivery wasn't the greatest. But she was in this movie very little. But she dies. Julie sees it. Uh, she freaks out. 
well, actually, Fouché then proceeds to shoot uh, Eddie in the legs and pretty much is like, you're an idiot. Like, you're an actual idiot. We're trying to sell this. We're going to get a shit ton of money, and you're dumb. And Eddie's trying to plead his case because he, Eddie, uh, was a former cop for the sa- in the same precinct as, uh, I believe, as Marcus and Mike. And he, so he's the one who actually was able to get Fouché in the gang into the police station uh, to rob, uh, to get the heroin. Um, but he's a druggie and he steals some heroin, pisses Fouché off. Fouché ends up killing him and Julie reacts. Uh, so the, the goons see her and that's when the craziness of this movie begins and we see uh, the goons uh, chase Julie throughout this big giant mansion or whatever the hell this places uh Alice. and boy the the effects for guns why are they so loud and uh, like they're just so out of place and it's funny I mean, <laughs> a gun is probably pretty loud yeah well, but do they sound like that i don't know pew, pew. oh <laughs> oh i also want to say one thing and this <sighs> this scene really brought it back to me is he needs to hire new people because they have the worst shot. Yeah, right. In the world. <laughs> they don't hit shit. I do love, though, that these goons all have their own personalities, even though they're all really shitty personalities because they're all pieces of shit human beings. Um, But the the I love the back and forth between like the guys when like. So they're chasing her throughout the house or shooting her, missing her a lot. And then Julie gets to the top of the roof and they shoot and miss. It's like watching stormtroopers try to shoot, you know, a, you know, uh, Princess Leia. She's running away. And then Julie jumps from a very, very high distance into a pool. This is a far fall. She survived that. She's a pro. Um, and the you know, the reactions of the goons as they go to the corner or they go to the ledge and like she, she jumped, she survived that. And then they go back and forth. I love that. Like the scene, like her jumping and then they could have just cut to the next thing and said, they had the goon, the two guys go to the side and they're like, they were actually reacting to what, what happened, which I loved it. It was great. Like I said, the characters in this, pretty much all the characters in this movie are fantastic. Uh, so we then, it's then uh, the, the police are at this at this station or at the, the place that they were at um, and they find Eddie's dead. They figure out that it was Eddie Dominguez, who was a former cop. And they also, uh, Marcus is the first one to see uh, Max and and of course Max and Mike were friends probably more a little bit more than friends uh, and so that really affects Mike so Mike is grieving so he wants to be by himself but he also is going to continue to now he needs to avenge Max so he's going to go talk to Lois the madam he goes over to her house and well actually we then go to Lois's house where she is on the phone the power gets cut, uh, all that stuff, and we see a guy with a ski mask on uh, with a very, very big sledgehammer. 
and then we see that Lois is dead because we see the guy's washing his hands that's covered in blood. Um, and Mike enters the house trying to look for him, and that's when the the guy just I don't know where he hits him, but he fucking smokes him out of a out of a window with the sledgehammer and then just leaves. What was that guy? What was the guy's name? What was the what was the goon's name? Uh that like that one is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm so bad at their names because they don't say them very often. I, I swear I I swear I put his I'm name so down. At... Oh it's Noah. It was Noah. Um that was the guy who kills Lois, and then we'll see him again later. Uh, Jul- so Marcus is at the police station. He's trying to talk to, you know, he's trying to figure this shit out. He's talking to his wife and also talk to I, some other cop. Um, and they find out about the, the witness. And then that's when Julie calls, uh, to talk to Mike. And of course, Mike's not there. Cause no, for one, they don't know that he's knocked the fuck out, uh, somewhere. And so, uh, Captain Howard tells Marcus, you need to be Mike. You need to pretend to be Mike because we cannot lose this witness. And she literally won't talk to anybody else. Like Captain Howard is trying to be nice. He's trying to soothe her. He's trying to, you know, he's trying to, he's doing his job. And she's like, fuck you, man. I will only talk to Mike. This was the thing that really confused me though, because so Julie watches her friend get murdered, right? So what, so in that instance, wouldn't you want the cops I mean, I understand she felt weird because Eddie was a former cop and they knew that. Did she know that? No, she, well, she wanted Mike because she knew who Mike was through Max. Right. Max told her about the thing. Like, you can yeah. Trust Mike. But the thing was, is she was like, yeah, uh, if I don't talk to Mike, I'm just going to pretend like I have amnesia and I don't know anything. I'm just going to leave. And you're like, so you don't want to try to help solve your friend's murder well i think i think the whole point is that she doesn't know who to trust because initially the whole reason she's in this situation is because of a cop okay i guess you got a point there uh so so marcus has to pretend to be mike so he then goes to uh julie's apartment uh, he flashes his badge, but as he walks in, she swings at him with uh, a bat, and they have a, a a funny like interaction between each other until the point where she, he's like, he's like, I didn't know if I should try. He's like, I she's like, I didn't know if I would be able to trust you, and, she, and he's like, Well, I didn't expect to walk into freaking Yankee Stadium. Oh no, he's, she's like, I expected you to be different. He's like, Well, yeah, I didn't expect to walk into Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Oh, man. So he uh, gets introduced to her dogs, Lukey and Dookie. <laughs> We're going to hear those names a lot. Uh, and as they're talking, that's when um, Fouché's goons come through the door and start just shooting holes in all the walls. Don't know how they missed them in this situation, too, with that big old shotgun they had. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> So they escape. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. So they escape. Uh, they get into Marcus's car. Uh, she's all freaking out because she sees baby seats in the back and it's a station wagon and he's he has to 
put on a facade like it's I'm undercover. This is my undercover car. I got to, you know, this isn't me. Oh so my God. Did it, when they when Nick before they get in the car when he gets in the car and he's like, you fat fuck. If you <laughs> if you weren't so fat, you would have been able to hit him. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Those two are yeah, those two are so good. Are so funny together. They're just such dicks to each other. I love it. If I was up there, I'd I want to squeeze your head. <laughs> I'm gonna get up, get my hands around your neck to strangle you myself. Uh so they can't go to Marcus's house because that would not be good. Teresa would be quite upset. So uh Marcus says, you know I, what? I, I gotta I He's like, she's like, I want the only place I want to go is your house. No, no, not my yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My house, Mike's, Mike, Mike Lowry's house. Yeah, that's a good place. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So they get there, and that's when we meet Chet, the doorman, and goddamn Chet. So good. And he's having a conversation, and Chet thinks that Marcus is using uh, Mike's apartment to sleep with. Uh, why, why am I playing? Oh, Julie. Well, to sleep with Julie. And, and he's like, dude, it's not like that. She's a witness. I just need to. Mike said I could use the apartment to kind of keep her there. And Chet's just funny. He's a funny dude. He and I'm I and I'm glad he's in more than one scene. Uh Marcus, Marcus <clears throat> does uh kind of twist his hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I Chet's still a funny guy. So it's the next day and Marcus is giving Mike shit. He's like, oh, what are, where have you been all night? And Mike has got a very, very big headache as he was literally smoked with a sledgehammer. <clears throat> and uh, Marcus is just going and going and going the whole time. And the energy that Martin Lawrence has in this movie is unreal to just keep on going for like two and a half minutes until they get into the room with uh, into onto the uh, into the gym where Captain Howard shooting hoops very poorly, by the way. Uh, they go in there. Mike has no idea what's going on because he's been unconscious probably all night. And so Mike gets the rundown about what's going on, about how Marcus had to pretend to be him. He got Julie. Julie's at his house. He's not very happy about it. And uh, pretty much Captain Howard's like, all right, well, you both have to pretend to be each other and we got to make this work. And uh, I love it because that's where we get the I want to be. I want to be like Mike. Pow. God, so good. And yeah, Captain Howard is shooting some really like I thought I was bad at basketball. Captain Howard is terrible. Uh, and Mike just drains one from like the three point line. But yeah, they pretty much say like if this witness goes and they can't solve this case, the uh, the station's going to be shut down and those guys are going to be out of a job. So uh, we then see Marcus uh, and Julie together um, and she has to identify. She's going through pictures. I trying to identify um, anyone that she remembers from the night that Max died. And that's when she identifies Noah who in the, in the movie he wears like, what, what is the name of those hats? The 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 fancy like French hat. I can't think what they're called. Well, it's not a fedora, but no, it's like the I don't know what they're yeah. called. Looks like a, it's like a hat like uh, an artist wears. This 
this scene's also iconic because it's he's eating a bologna sandwich and she's like, Do you know you're eating flesh? Yeah. She and, like and he's like, he's like, it's bologna. <laughs> I, she starts explaining yeah. it. And then he goes, You know what? I don't like bologna no more. <laughs> then he takes the pickle yeah. and he's like, and she, and what about the pickle? Like, is the pickle goes, okay? And she's like, Well, it is, it is, it has a lot of salt. Lot and he's of like, salt. he dips it in the coke. <laughs> He's like, there, is that good? How about now? Is it, is it good now? Yeah. It, it doesn't, I don't taste much salt now. Yeah, so good. Um, so yeah, she identifies Noah, who was one of the henchmen, and he's the one who actually kills Lois, the, the madam. And then we cut to where all of the heroin has been uh, since it was stolen. It's being cooked because Fouché is going to sell it for a lot of money. But unfortunately, because of where they're at, it's very hot and humid down in Miami, Florida. So, fortunately, it's really hard to cook drugs on a, an abandoned like ship, which is where they're doing it. It's the moisture or something they said. Yeah. Uh, and Fouché is pissed because he has a deadline, and he's blaming the uh, the chemist for it. And Mike and Marcus's lives are not what they expected. Marcus has to live at Mike's being Mike and being and not being with his wife. So he pretty much has to tell his wife he's going to Cleveland and he tells uh, his wife that uh, Mike is going to hang around and kind of watch out for them or watch them. Uh, And this is when we get the scene where Mike finally goes back to his apartment and meets Julie and the dogs. And man, he's not a fan of any of it, especially the dogs. Because they're just shitting everywhere and puking everywhere, and he is not a fan. Especially because he is. <laughs> if this was my place, I'd be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's go meet. Let's go meet Dookie. As he's like, he's been sick all day. He's like puking in the bed. It's like let's, let's go see, see how let's see how Dookie feels. feels. <laughs> uh, so. They all determined that they need they are gonna go to Club Hell because that is where Noah likes to hang out. And boy, is this club popping. Uh Marcus or pretty much Marcus is like, listen. Oh, actually, we get the scene where it's the guy talking to the dude who's driving the truck full of ether. And he's like, I just need you to sit here, don't move. And then the dude's about to light a cigarette. He's like, What are you doing, you idiot? It's a fucking truck full of ether. You're sitting in a truck with a bomb. So good. And then we get, uh, yeah, so Mike and uh, Marcus walk into the club. Uh, he Marcus is literally like, dude, you, please don't get distracted. All right, we, we got a job we got to do. That's what we're going to do. Mike's like, yeah, I'm not going to get distracted. Marcus uh, is like, I'm going to go take a piss. He goes into the bathroom, uh, which is... Ugh. Snass. No one knows how to flush. Like, what? What is wrong with human beings who go into a public bathroom and, for one, they can't piss in the toilet, and they don't know how to fucking flush. Flush a damn toilet, you. Sl- oh, I disgusting. I think it's a chain. I think it's a chain effect because you, the first person that doesn't do it right, they make a mess right. and they don't flush. The next yeah. person doesn't want to touch what they've right on, so it's just right. continuous. Listen, I. I, I'm the type of guy who, you know, who goes into like a stall and we'll, I will grab a wad of toilet paper and just like my hands aren't touching the toilet. 
but like you you just gotta you gotta you gotta get somewhat of cleanliness there and then you flush it there's a god use your foot you don't have to touch it with your hands use your damn shoe just fucking kick the damn handle flush the toilet you dirty people my legs don't bend that high well a lot of urinals nowadays are all automated so Usually they flush themselves unless they're or the, broken. The no water ones. But you know what? I'm going to wash my hands probably three times, especially if I'm going to touch the little button that's on the side of the urinal. But this bathroom is gross. And the scene. So Marcus goes into the bathroom. He's taking a piss. He's talking to the guy next to him. And then that's when he sees in the mirror, there's the other guy behind him. And he puts a bag, a plastic bag over his head and he's trying to suffocate him. And we get the awesome scene of him like trying to fight off the guy and he's throwing him into the mirror. And, and of course there's a fish tank that you can see everything happening. And Mike is sitting at the bar with a beer in his hand. And there's a, of course there's a stripper on the, on the bar and he's distracted. The one thing Marcus told him not to, to, to get, he's distracted. He doesn't see what's going on. Uh, until, uh well actually so marcus finally like fights him off enough where he gets the bag off of his head and then he he beats the shit out of one guy and then he beats the shit out of the other guy but then he proceeds to take his head and just bash it off the (laughs) nasty ass piss-filled fucking urinal oh my god i'm like that's nasty uh actually you know what i don't know so the guy so before all that Marcus um, gets picked up by one of the guys and thrown through the the fish tank, right? And then after that, he gets up, beats the shit, dude smashes him, and yeah. And that's what what gets Mike's attention is Marcus getting thrown through the fish tank. (laughs) It's so funny because like uh, Mike, Mike walks in and he's just like, what the hell are you doing in here? And he's like, I I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So good. Julie then shows up because she's like, fuck this. And what the do we not? Did they not use gun cases like gun like safes in the 90s? Like all of Mike's weapons are in like a a cabinet you buy at Ikea. Just out there. No, no key. Just she just grabs one of his pistols, ends up going to the bar. As soon as she walks into the bar, uh, Noah then spots her. From the distance. Actually, I think they spot Marcus and Mike at one point. Uh, that's why the goons got sent down there to to get Marcus. They immediately see Julie. Fouché sees Julie and she sees him. So she ends up raising the gun to shoot and Marcus tackles her. And that's when chaos ensues. And uh, they run. Marcus, Mike, and uh, Julie, they book at it out of there and she's confused. She's like, why are we running away? Like, we're trying to get him. And to be fair, it's probably because there's more of them than there's more of the of Fouché and his, gr- and his group than... Well, at this, at this point in the movie, they're trying, like, they know she wants to kill him, but they want to catch him to find out where all the drugs are. Right, right. So... So then we get a car chase. Uh, Mike, uh, they end up stealing the truck that's full of ether that's been that was sitting outside of. Well, they they didn't know they didn't know that. No, no, no. They just ended up stealing the truck, uh, and they're driving away, and they're pissed. They're yelling at Julie, like, "What was that? Like, what are you doing? Like, you can't do that shit." And then, uh, 
so Marcus is the one driving and they're freaking, and he's like, what is that noise? And they turn around and it's just big giant barrels of ether. And Marcus starts freaking out or is, I don't remember who flips out on who, but about like, so you literally, the one vehicle you decide to steal, you steal the bomb. <laughs> you steal the one that'll blow up. So their bright idea. So Noah gets in his car with a couple people and they start chasing them. Uh, and Mike's bright idea, and it's kind of a a theme throughout the Bad Boys movie, is that Mike doesn't really think about what's the ultimate, like what's ultimately going to happen with some of his actions, and it always ends up with people dying. And Marcus always jokes about it, <laughs> like the and in this movie it happens a couple times, but in Bad Boys Two, so many times, and Marcus just. The the responses to them are always fantastic, but we'll get to that when we talk about Bad Boys too. Uh, so yeah, they're chasing them, and Mike comes up with a great idea to open up the back doors and just start throwing ether barrels out of there and shooting at them. Um, and uh, blows up. They're dodging them and all that stuff. But then uh, it gets to the point where the road ends, and he gets a bunch of the barrel, kicks a bunch of the barrels out, and Noah just crashes into the barrels, blows up the car, killing them, everybody in that car instantly. Uh, so now they're fucked because the person that they needed to get the information from is now dead. That is when we get this freaking amazing scene of them going to this little store in whatever area of Miami to just kind of talk some about some stuff and to get some, just like, I think Julie is going in to get some shampoo and stuff like that. And the, the guy uh, who is behind the bar or not behind the bar behind the counter, man, I wish I really, I wish I knew his name. So he is, uh, his, is this the guy? Sean Tobe. I believe this is the guy I'm thinking of. So he actually played the guy who helps Tony Stark build the first Iron Man suit in the cave in Iron Man 1. That's oh. who this the guy who's who owns the store. Okay. Um he's hilarious. I love his line delivery and just him being super suspicious. Of course, uh at this time I, I mean, of course today throughout many many years and still happening today uh two you know two black guys and a and a white girl walk into a store and people in, in you know in a in a a rougher neighborhood the person at the the usually the shop owner is going to get a little antsy a little tip it's not right but that's just what the scene is he sees these two guys walk in with this girl and the guy gets super suspicious. Uh, he He's asking them what they want or how they're doing. She needs to get shampoo and they're talking about uh, what just happened and all that stuff. And Mike moves and his gun shows and that's and the guy like he gets antsy. He grabs his gun. He They walk up to the counter and that's when he pulls his gun and he says this amazing line, freeze mother bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and funny and fun fact, 
it was an improvised line uh, by the actor Sean Tobe. Uh, the mother bitches. So my, he just says bitches all the t- for like everything he says, and it's great. And that's what, and again, we get to the other scene. Like, so they're in this situation where this guy's got, he's got a big gun. He's got like a desert Eagle in his hand. And that's when Marcus is getting all worked up and him and Mike start arguing, which I feel is just like their way of getting out of trouble. They'll get into an argument to distract whoever, you know, whoever is causing the issue. And then they turn it on that person and they do, they get into the thing where like Marcus is saying how he's having a bad day, a bad week. And, He's just stressing out and he can't be going through this type of stuff. And the guy is just like, he's getting all worked up because they're not listening. And then that's when Julie starts walking out of the store and then he's, he's like, stop bitch. And that's when there's like, no, you stop bitch. They both freaking pull their guns on him. And we get the thing where, uh, Mike's like, uh, I need some, I need you to give me some tropical fruit, bubblicious. And then Marcus says, and some Skittles. God, this scene's so fucking good. <laughs> oh, man. The, the mother bitches, though, made me laugh out loud. Like when he says that, <laughs> freeze, mother bitches. Um, we then get the awkward bed scene between Marcus and Julie. Julie is kind of like talking about like sexual things with Marcus and then about how like uh, you know, uh, Marcus. Pretty much that the whole situation is making her feel weird. Yeah, but and, weird in a like in a sexual way, right? And and then she starts talking about how Marcus Mike, um, is an attractive guy, and like any woman would want to sleep with him and all that stuff, which is getting the real Marcus really worked up because he hasn't gotten a lot any from his wife in a while. So he's getting worked up thinking that Mike uh, could try to sleep with his wife and because Mike is staying at his house. And so he ends up calling. We then see Mike and uh, the real Mike and Teresa, Marcus's wife, looking through their yearbook and they're talking about Marcus and stuff like that. And he calls the house and Mike picks up and can hear the conversation, but it sounds like a sexual conversation, which again, why would you answer? Like in Marcus, uh, like Marcus, Marcus he, is really worked up. He's really worked up. So like anything is setting him off. And, but I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like you're like, even if he was, let's say like Mike and Teresa were having sex. If somebody calls you, are you answering the phone? I just love <laughs> that. As soon as he picks up, she's like, no, put it back in. Yeah. No, it, if Marcus finds out, he's going to kill <laughs> Oh, God. So bad. And so Marcus is pissed because he really thinks Mike is sleeping with his wife. So he then. Uh, so Marcus then takes uh, Julie. They drive, which is funny because like why? So because Marcus is has to be Mike. He's driving Mike's car. Like, I feel like Mike would not be okay with this, <laughs> but he can't. It, he right. Can't I, that. yeah, it's weird. So Marcus takes the Porsche, brings Julie with him and, uh, she, he handcuffs her to the steering wheel. Hey, and do then you notice in this scene that he's grinding the gears of the Porsche, but yet at the end of the movie, he could drive like a boss. Right. Well, I mean, even Mike says it. 
I just thought it was funny that in yeah. the scene he's he's like and then you get to the and he's like a freaking F one driver. Right. So good. Um so yeah, so he handcuffs Julie to the steering wheel and then proceeds to literally scale his house to try to get a closer look to the potential of Mike. And the whole time she's watching, he's climbing. He's like, you think you're going to sleep with my wife? <laughs> it's, like, so, I, it's like, I can't get any of that quality time. You think you're going to get some of that quality time? Or the, quality time is said a lot in this movie. Yeah. You oh. see the two goons and they're, they're like, and he's just running across the yard. Yeah. You want to sleep on my wife? He's like, what is, what is, you better what is, think different. What is he doing? So yeah, so he scales up. Um, he hears things he doesn't like, even though nothing's happening, uh, and then proceeds to literally crash through this like metal, like this tin overhang he has on his house, crashes into the bushes. Will and everybody hear it, and the goons are like, "Maybe we don't even. We might not even be able to do it. Like we wouldn't even have to do anything. We don't even have to knock his ass out because he's gonna knock himself out." Um. So, some random guy. So yeah. So Mike goes outside with his gun. Um, doesn't know it's Marcus yet until he tackles him to attack. Well, he kind of puts the gun up to him and he's, he's telling him like, what the hell? Like stop freeze or whatever. And then he finds out it's Marcus. He's like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, you're sleeping with my wife. And then he proceeds to throw him into the kiddie pool. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh no, that's when the goons go, oh, we won't even have to kill him. Cause they're going to kill each other. <laughs> and then we get the scene where like, Marcus is just he's like I'm just so worked up I haven't had any quality time yeah. and I thought you were getting quality time and then the What's, two was it Ruet is it uh is it Ramirez and Ruez or something like that the two yeah. uh the two like side cops are San- like, Sanchez and Ruez they come up and like yeah that'll be the last time you mess with a cop's family because they were watching them which I thought was cool because Mark because actually Mike was on the phone with them um, cause they, cause Mike saw the car, uh, while he was in the house before Mark, as Marcus was scaling his house. Um, and that's where, when, uh, Sanchez and Ruiz, um, I just show up. Love it. The whole end of that thing. They do the, he's, they, like, the, he's like, he's like, all right, I'm going to go now. And he's like, yeah, they do their, their little handshake. Yeah. <laughs> the little like fist bump thing. I'm going to go now. Oh man. Uh, so yeah, that was that was good. So yeah, so uh, Ruiz and Sanchez they bust one of Boucher's goons, and they are interrogating him. And oh, the scene was kind of funny because what they were like yelling, I was like, like what's his name? Oh, they were trying to get the name because they didn't know what Boucher's name was yet, and they say he's like a friend. Is he a French guy? They say French yeah. guy. It's like a French guy. It's like Fouché. Fouché. And then. All yeah. I know is his name. Yeah. We then go back to see our good friend Jojo. And man, this is so good, man. Martin Lawrence coming in with this cool freaking bandana. And they're coming in. And at first, oh, no, a Jojo. Jojo runs. <laughs> they get him. And at first, uh, Marcus is talking to Jojo in like the bathroom. And like he's trying to be. He's trying to get information out of him. JoJo's really not giving him anything. So Mike 
gets pissed. He pulls him out. He's got the gun up to his head and he's talking. And Martin Lawrence, he's like, I can't be here. You're going to shoot Joe, 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 Joe. Tell him, Joe, Joe. I can't deal with the more brain splatter. He's like, I can't deal with more brain splatter. <laughs> yeah. Just tell, oh no. Just tell him, Joe, Joe. Uh, and Jojo gives up some information. I think I uh, was talking about um, a chemist because, oh, no, that. So Jojo wasn't a, a hacker. He was a former chemist. So he cooked drugs before he got straight. I put that in air quotes because who knows if he's still doing it or not um, to do what he was currently doing, which is a mechanic, a mechanic, I guess, uh, or selling tires, whatever he's doing. Uh, and then we get the funny situation because Mike actually pulls the gun on Marcus and he's, he's like, I- I'll shoot you too. And that's when Marcus like walks away and starts saying his stuff. And at the end, he's like, you really like, man, I really like the thing where you like, you pretend like you were going to shoot me. Like, and he's like, you weren't really going to shoot me. Right. He's like, I don't know. He's like made no, it he, out. He goes, man. You really had me there for a second. I thought you were actually going to shoot me. Was, I was. <laughs> That's good. We then get a stakeout because we find out where Fouché's drugs are being cooked on the ship. Uh, they find a really bad hiding spot. It's not very far from the ship. Like, you brought binoculars. You might want to go find something better because Fouché immediately sees them once Julie walks up and uh, starts looking through. Uh, Teresa is pissed because the news pops up and it is the end of that car chase at, after the club hell situation where like Mar- it just shows my- the kids are watching a show and then they flip to the news and it's just Marcus flipping out on the, on the helicopter cam and they're like mom I thought you said daddy was in Cleveland <laughs> he's like oh, he, yeah, wishes. he wishes he was in Cleveland she's pissed so she goes over to Mike's uh, but Julie and Julie kind of put two and two together once she was talking about, I think she found out about Marcus not being Mike when, and the whole, that awkward bed scene where he then goes to his house and confronts Mike. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she knows that Mike is, or Marcus is Marcus and Mike is Mike. And Teresa then goes there too. Also, oh, we, oh, oh, we also get the funny scene, which this is way before, but this was the scene with the, um, where Mike goes back to his apartment for the first time and meets Julie. And Yvette shows up. And Marcus he kicks her out. Me. <laughs> he's like, my, Marcus kicks her out. And he's like, he's like, you kicked Yvette out? She's a masseuse. She massages shit. <laughs> and, and, then, and then Julie's like, uh, is anybody else one? So are any other half-naked women going to be showing up? At any point? Oh, she was half naked. You kicked Yvette out? She was half naked. (laughs) Oh, what does he say? He goes, my my wife doesn't like womanizers. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So, yeah. So, uh, Teresa uh, goes to the apartment. Julie's pissed. Uh... Teresa pretty much tells Marcus, don't even bother coming home. Julie ends up walking out. Mike chases her down because he's like, fuck it. I, you know, she knows who I am now. 
uh, he starts talking to her about like a bunch of different stuff. And Marcus is trying to pretty much plead his case with, with his wife. She then goes to leave, but they get down to the lobby and that's when uh, they walk out. And that's when Fouché and his goons walk through the front doors and we get the slow motion, like realization of what is about to happen. And we get a shootout. Fouché grabs Julie, takes her out of there as the goons continue to shoot at Mike. Um, Chet has one of, has Lukey or Dookie, one of the dogs, stays behind the, the counter uh, calling uh, for backup. And we then get a very long chase scene between on uh, Mike, who is on foot the entire time. I do not understand how he caught up to this vehicle before they hopped out of the car. But we get Mike with his, with his shirt open, chasing down the, the Bronco uh, that they're driving. Uh, they're driving down a bike lane or like over like a walking bridge where the guy is literally almost like he's like this close to getting hit by the truck. Uh, then the truck gets pinned up against a bunch of cars, so they got to get out. And so Fouché's got Julie by the hair. He's dragging her through things. And so we get the long scene of like showing them going through different places and then Mike following behind. And my favorite of it all is when uh, they go through the salon and it's all the old ladies get like with the little cone. What the fuck is it? Is it dry their hair? I don't know what that thing does. Never understood yeah. what that thing does. But he goes through, he died, he like, because they're shooting at him. So he, he dives to the ground and he turns around. He's like, he's like, you People ladies, great. you ladies look great. <laughs> he gets up and, and walks out, but you get the really slow. There's a lot of slow motion in uh, the scene. Um, where Mike is running towards the camera. We got Marcus hopping cars. He hops on top of the car that they get into. Uh, and then he falls off and then we get the scene where um, he's about to get hit and Mike grabs them or grabs him so he doesn't get hit by the car. And then we get the first of three times you will see this shot in this franchise, but it is the shot. It is a rotating shot where it shows Mike and Marcus in slow motion rise from the ground and we get the panning shot of them kind of like out of breath and it's like the epic action shot for them. That is like their signature shot. We then get another scene with Sinclair, my favorite character of this movie, um, as she's yelling or pretty much stating how the uh, Howard and the whole department is out of a job pretty much. And Howard's like, fuck you. I'm doing this shit. I'm solving this case. And I hope I never see you again, Sinclair. We then uh, we then meet Fletcher, played by John Sally, uh, who is a a guy who's in prison for hacking, I guess, because uh, he and they need to get into Eddie Dominguez's file, which they tried to get into earlier. But Francine, who is like the secretary, she's like a secretary. Yeah, is, she couldn't get into it. But then you find out why she couldn't get into it. So um, Fletcher. He's doing his thing. Marcus, not giving a shit how big this dude is. He's he's like, I will knock your ass he's down. Like, he's like, you better <laughs> sit your ass back down before I knock your ass out. Yeah. 
He's like, I went to prison for doing this. He's got like, he's got like bottle cap glasses. Like those things are thick as hell. Oh no, he's like, you better sit your big ass down before I knock you the fuck out. (laughs) So good. Uh, so then, so Fletcher gets the file open and you find out uh, that Francine, the secretary, uh, was Eddie Dominguez's girlfriend. And you find out the reason that she was hiding the information was because Fouché and that whole group were pretty much blackmailing her. They were like threatening to display like naked pictures of her at her kid's school, which is so fucked up. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that was pretty much the reason why she, like, there was all these times where they were, like, asking her to do things, and she was lying to them, pretty much, saying, like, she couldn't get it done. But they find out where they're going to be at this giant airfield. That is where, oh, they find, oh, they find out that the chemist, uh, they killed the the chemist because they were fucking with their timetable. You find out where they're going to be, which is at an airfield. Uh, they, they... Uh, Mike and Marcus ask uh, Ruiz and Sanchez uh, if they want to join in because they got to save Julie and they got to stop Fouché. So the whole the whole loop around with this part is that he kills the chemist because he's mad about the timetable. But the reason that the next part happens at the airfields is because it, his drugs are tech are actually not ready or they're not what they were supposed to be. And that's why he pulls the whole when that part comes up. That's why he, instead of doing the exchange, he ends up turning on him and and doing like a setup. That makes sense. Uh, So yeah, so they, so Mike, Marcus, uh, Ruiz, and Sanchez, they all gear up. They get a like garbage truck and they spoil the party. We see uh, Fouché meet up with uh, the guy that he's tr- he's selling to. What was his name? I don't even think they, I don't even think they ever say his name, do they? It is. No. He just he's just uh, called the in the in the credits. He's literally just called drug buyer. Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, but he's he a fancy. He's a, yeah, so he's fast. a fancy. He's a rich guy. Uh, he's got a really nice uh, Shelby Cobra that he's bringing back home um, that he bought, and uh, that's. So, so then we have the the garbage truck that they get. They crash it through the side. Shit goes down, and then Fouché shoots him. Right, the drug guy. After that, oh, no, that was so he shoots him before that. Before they crash into it, he shoots them in the because it was like, it had to have been like very simultaneous. Because what happens is they're <laughs> talking about it, and he goes, "Okay, yes, uh, this is worth a hundred and something million dollars, and there's twenty million dollars in cash." The other guy goes up to it, and then he goes, "Something ain't right. The drugs aren't here," which means like because because they weren't ready. You, ki- you killed the freaking can- chemist, right? Um, and then he, and then the other guy goes, "It's a setup," and then he shoots him, and then that's when they come barreling through with the garbage truck. So, which is kind of like, <clears throat> kind of funny because the guy goes, "It's a setup," and then cops come barreling through in a garbage truck. So it's like, yeah. 
it's almost like these people don't even know who's attacking them. They're like, uh, there's cops, there's these guys, there's us. Yep. It's like a huge shit triangle. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah, so shit then goes down. Uh, Fouché shoots the drug guy, uh, the drug buyer, and then a shootout happens. A lot of explosions. Um, which we, There's a couple pretty decent kills. Um, oh, actually, before all this happens, we get the interaction between Julie and, um, like, the bigger henchman there. He's like, what are you scratching at? He's like, scratch this. He goes, I'll scratch anything you ask me to, baby. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, it was something yeah. fucked up. It's stupid. I was like... But, what? yeah. And he... Yeah, so we get that interaction, but then everything happens. Um, and we see a lot of, like cool like different deaths like um a lot of characters you don't know there's just kind of characters are in that in that scene and then we get the the awesome scene where the guy with the mustache i can't remember these dudes names i don't even so he's a smaller funny guy he was the one who was hanging out with the bigger dude yeah and he's in the plane and there's an exp uh, there's like a uh, a gas there's like a I love tanks. a barrel, a barrel of yep. shit under the under the plane, and and Marcus points at it and goes, "You forgot your boarding pass," and shoots it, causing the plane to explode. Which the guy's standing in the doorway. Which then you don't just see him die; you see his fiery corpse just fly through the air into like racks. Oh man, that was my favorite. I just love the line delivery before he he does it. Um. Which before, I mean, it had to have been before that. Fouché takes the Shelby and drives out. He that well, he shoots Marcus first in the leg. I'm trying to think, was yeah. it a different plane or was that the same plane? I think I think it was a different plane because th- that was just like a passenger plane where the other one was like a cargo plane. Right. So that happens. Uh, Fouché shoots Marcus in the leg as he's he was diving in front of Julie, so she didn't get shot. He gets shot in the leg. Um, Fouché then proceeds to uh, j- jump into the Shelby in the plane. He drives out. He drives away, or he's trying to drive away. Mike actually is able to jump onto the back of the of the car, trying to wrestle with Fouché. Fouché takes out a gun and shoots Mike in the chest, but he's got a bulletproof vest on. But it still hurts a lot. Uh, we then see... Mike, uh, Marcus pull up with the Porsche and Mike is reeling in pain, but things are exploding and they need to get the hell out of there. Um, but before all this, the, uh, the bigger guy who was guarding Julie, uh, he gets shot and, or, uh, he has Ruiz like dead to rights and Mike, I think shoots him, pushing him into the electrical panel and the guy gets electrocuted. Yeah, he, he shoots him with a shotgun. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, so then Mike is reeling in pain from getting shot, um, but they got to go, so they pull him in, and Marcus is flying. He is a pro at driving this Porsche now, and so we get a really c- cool, I, I mean, it was a, a good car chase on the open airstrip of this airport, and they're driving fast, a lot of, and then uh, Mike is you know, pretty much staying like, like 
man, you drive good for having a busted leg. You drive better with a busted leg or something like that. And Julie's just like, well, you can just shut up. Just let him drive. drive. So they get neck and neck, and there's like a a wall. I don't know if this is like a thing to like prevent planes from going like off the runway. Don't know what this is. I don't think that because I feel like that's just imminent death. <laughs> yeah, that's just not good. <laughs> I don't know what this thing is, but it has a an opening that can only fit one car through it. And so they're neck and neck and they're battling and, and uh, they're able to pretty much get Fouché to uh, spin out and he crashes into the side of the thing and Marcus uh, fits through the middle. And that's when Mike is like, that's how you drive. That is how you, from now, from now on, on that's, that's how you drive. drive. <laughs> so good. They get out of the car and they're going to confront and, and Fouché is fucked up like he when he crashed into this thing he is in rough shape so he is crawling away or no he starts he's running as well as he can he's he's like limping very bad and uh mike freeze and then he shoots him in the leg which causes fouché to drop um and they pretty much are like you know they were going to arrest him at first and Mike actually puts the gun up to Fouché's head, and Fouché is pretty much just telling him to do it. Like, well, Fouché was like, he's, he makes a comment like, "You know, you could have killed me, you bitch." And he goes, yeah. "Oh no!" He's like, "That's coming up next. I'm just, I'm just getting used to this marksman shit. Yeah. Hitting you thirty yards was easy. Now, something like that." Yeah. So Fouché, yeah, he and he puts the gun up to his head, and he's. Fouché is like screaming at him to do it and he doesn't um, because that's what he wants. So Mike decides not to, but he turns around um, and Fouché then takes this like four barrel pistol that uh, fun fact is not in production anymore. Um, But he takes this thing. It's this little tiny four barrel pistol out of his pocket and is going to shoot. But the glint of the gun reflects and Mike sees it he turns around he puts a lot of bullets into Fouché and that is the end of Fouché we then get the scene of everybody kind of hanging out at the ambulance fight or uh, recovering um, and relieved that it's over Uh, Marcus jokes around about how like Julie and Mike are meant to be together and he handcuffs them both and then walks away stating how he's going to go get some quality time (laughs) with his wife and that is the end of Bad Boys. Whoo, man. <clears throat> I love this movie. So since this is the first of, uh, we, we still have two more films left of this franchise. So um, our lists are going to be, I mean, everything's going to be number one right now for the list. Uh, so for antagonists, uh, Fouché is, my num- is definitely the number one right now. Uh, and then we'll just, I guess we'll just do, what do we just do? Antagonist and then just the movie. Pretty much, I mean, is there anything really else? We, is there any these. other rankings we'd want to do that are relevant for all three of these movies? Um, I mean, I guess we could say, I guess that's kind of, uh, I was going to say which one's like, which one gave you the 
the most enjoyment for both aspects like action and comedy i feel like you would just do that for the movie itself when you rank it let's do mike's car the car that mike's mike drives in the films because they're all different so in this one it's the the porsche 911 it's number one limited, limited. And then, of course, for the, for the rankings for the films themselves, Bad Boys will be number one until, well, well I don't want to say until. It's number one right now, but it could change next week or whenever the next that we do I our next episode. I do have to say that these ones are, like, tough. Um, because, I, I, I mean, I just I enjoy them all. I mean, yeah. I guess the newest one would probably be, you know, a little different for me personally because i didn't grow up with that one but right um so yeah do we have any uh anything else we want to talk about before we end the show i mean no i mean i think i've said everything i want to say about so i I don't want to state when the next episode is going to be because um, work schedule uh, for me is a little wonky. So uh, trying to find a, a time where me and Adam can record the next episode is going to be a little tough. So there is a, a possibility that there might not be an episode next week, but we're going to try our hardest to work something out so that we can put an episode out next week because we want to keep doing the weekly episodes. It's just difficult right now. And uh, coming up in September, we're not going to be doing Sunday episodes anymore. Um, so we have to try to, f- we're, it, it's, it's kind of a, when we both have some spare time to, to do an episode, we're going to do it. And then hopefully, you know, maybe in the future when we both have jobs where, you know, we're working the same shift, uh, we can actually consistently do episodes. So just if you want to know what's going on, I'm going to be posting some updates on the Parker Chronicles Twitter. It's at dissect that film, which might even be the future title of this podcast. Um, And uh, yeah, we got some, like I said, we're going to be doing um, bad boys two and bad boys for life. And then we're going to be determining, figuring out what we're going to be, talking about next uh, but we're also going to be talking uh, planning for october because october is my favorite month of the year i love halloween scary times so we're going to be trying to figure out what movies we want to talk about during the month of october because it's going to be all horror related movies and maybe horror related movies that me and adam grew up with that we're huge fans of uh, but we'll talk about that later i don't want to like state movies of you know right now and but that is what we're going to be doing. A lot of planning, a lot of figuring out what the fuck we're doing with the show. Um, it's not going anywhere. It's just trying to figure out times and schedules and stuff like that. So, And possibly uh, adding some more people to the show. I want to thank everybody who supports the show uh, here on Twitch um, who comes and watches it live every week. Um, and I definitely want to thank everybody who supports us um, on the podcast services. This episode will be live tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So a Thursday or a Friday episode for all of our 
podcast listeners out there. Um, thank you so much for the support. This show is a lot of fun to do. Um, and I'm excited for the future of the show and what we're going to be doing. Um, the other things we're going to be doing with it um, in the future. This is literally this. It, this is just the beginning. So hope you're you buckle up. This is going to be a long ride. So we will see you next time. Thank you so much. So if, uh, make sure you go follow uh, Nemesis over at, or sorry, go follow Adam over at Nemesis Angel on Twitter. He's not really on Twitter much, but that's where he's at. Or follow me. Uh, there I am. Uh, Mind of Parker on Twitter, the Mind of Parker on Instagram. Um, and then, of course, Mind of Parker here on Twitch. <sighs> All right, I'm tired. I need to go to bed now. All right, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. See you next time. <laughs>